Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Amen, amen. It's so good to be back in the house of the Lord this evening. Amen. Amen. Occasionally, so I get I get a lot of um, uh, brother Jason. You should you should talk to these folks, uh, brother Jason. You should you should get these folks to come speak. Anybody who has a friend who's ever done anything, though, uh, brother Jason, you need to talk to them. Maybe you could have them out to your church. Maybe. Uh, you could listen to them and, and, and all of those things. And uh, occasionally, uh, when I speak to the person, I get the same feeling that I had when I spoke with, with Pastor Adam. It took about 30 seconds before I just wholeheartedly believed uh, in what you guys are doing. And that's a God thing. Because it wasn't that you were so slick-tongued in those 30 seconds because you said, uh, 14 times. <laughs> Just, or maybe that was me, I don't know. Um, so it is my pleasure uh, to have these gentlemen here tonight. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to introduce this first gentleman, and then, uh, then they're going to kind of go with their program, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hush. You heard me enough this morning. But this first gentleman I'm going to introduce is Mr. Emilio. Uh, not Estevez, um, so that's how he told me to remember his name. So, uh, but Emilio, we welcome you to Rocky Valley Baptist Church. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Everybody doing good? Uh, I was just thinking uh, that one song is saying, count your many blessings, and I was thinking to myself, even if I was to put all your hands collectively, it could never amount to all the blessings God has given me in my life. So that was awesome. And I am super nervous, so bear with me. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to speak of your goodness. Lord, I ask that um, you calm my heart and give me the ability to convey a message that you have this morning for me, I mean this evening, can't even tell time, Lord, that's how nervous I am. Lord, I love you and I thank you. I um, ask that um, you open up hearts and ears for, the, for this evening's message, Lord, and that uh, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, um, so I am a recovery coach and a teacher over at S2L Recovery in um, Woodbury, Tennessee, working with men who've had issues with alcohol and drugs, and I was one of those men as well. Um, and I think that's part of the beauty over at S2O Recovery is the fact that no one that's there studied or read about people with addiction um, or alcoholism. We were those people, and as a result of God's grace, we are no longer those people today. And it gives us the ability to spread the word of God's goodness and what God is capable of doing in the lives of those who are just tired of leading the life that they were leading before. And I'm going to go into a really brief um, of my uh, past. Um, I was born in Florida and uh, raised in Dominican Republic. And um, the, 
I was raised well. Uh, mom and dad taught me well. They taught me right from wrong, told me to be respectful. They taught me um, how to open doors for women, you know, pull out chairs for women when, I, <laughs> when they're um, going to go sit down. They taught me well. My parents were great people. And I just try to say that because I want to stress that I had absolutely zero excuse whatsoever to abuse drugs and alcohol. Um, it was nothing to do with the circumstances that I was living. It was just the decisions that I made. And um, as a result of it, it got me into a lot of trouble. Um, I spent about 16 years of my life in addiction. Um, and the beginning, uh, I guess like anything else, is, I guess you could say it was fun. Um, but at the end of the day, when it started becoming something that I had to maintain, then that's when the trouble started coming up. And um, it... Um, it co it's cost me, it cost my family, I'd rather say, thousands of dollars in attorney fees and all sorts of stuff. And, and to me, I mean, it's caused, it caused great havoc in my life as a result of the drugs and alcohol. Um, I've overdosed probably, I think, three times, three or four times, and two of those were pretty much flatline. I'm here by God's grace. No other reason. Um, it wasn't... Uh, I don't think it was the, um, the paddles that brought me back. I think God just wasn't done with me. He, had me. he needed me to serve a bigger purpose, to carry a message of what he can do in a man's life that decides to, to turn to him. Um, as a result of my addiction, just to kind of go into um, the things that, um, I guess the repercussions, if you will, it's not only uh, the monetary side of things. Um, I've caused my family countless and countless hours of sleepless nights. Um, I have taken from them not only um, actual you know, physical property, but I've taken away time. I've taken away um, tears that were meant for joy, that were used for strife, and that weighs, hard, that weighs heavy on me. Um, it cost me four years of my life um, in prison. Um, DUIs. Uh, actually, DUI, I shouldn't pluralize that, but it's neither here nor there. Um, a lot of uh, dis dis destroyed um, relationships, um, loss of, you know, I guess family members wanting me around as a result of it. And um, finally got to a point after, after attending the School of Hard Knocks for a four-year uh, degree, um, after getting out, um, I pretty much went right back to square one, even after everything that I'd gone through. And you would think that, man, by then something had to have clicked after all the devastation it caused, but it just nothing clicked. I just wanted to continue doing what Amelia wanted to do because that's what Amelia wanted. And I knew about God growing up, but the God that I knew about was more of what I like to call like the fire extinguisher God. You know, you only need to pull them out when, you, when there's a fire. That's the only time you need to break that glass to get the fire extinguisher out. And after that's done and over with, you just take that fire extinguisher over to the fire department. They refill it, and you put it back up for later use. Um, and I, I, looking back now, I can see why that kind of made God angry, <laughs> you know. Um, so after um, going through things that I went through, um, pretty much it was about, it would be two years this July that I had a last um, overdose, which pretty much almost took my life. Um, 
and I got hit with Narcan twice, and by God's grace brought me back. And I remember coming to in, in the hospital and thinking that, man, I'm tired of this, I'm tired of this constant just revolving door of the same thing every single day over over and over and day in and day out nothing changed the only thing that changed was the date on the calendar but the day was the same thing over and over just repeated and it just got to a point where it just got old it got old and I hadn't I've had enough and I realized that Emilio is no good at at consuming you know I guess you know drugs and alcohol like I, I I'm no good at it. Just the same way. I'm short. I'm 5'9", over 200 pounds. I'm not going to join the NBA because I'm short. I can't do anything out there. So that's the same mentality I had to have with me. I realized I can't continue to use drugs and alcohol because it's just destroying me and it's killing me. And, and I finally, um, after the last overdose, uh, family reached out over to S2 Recovery. And I was, mom and dad were pretty much at wit's end with me. And... And rightfully so, rightfully so. I mean, if anybody had done even just an eighth, not even an eighth, whatever, 16th of whatever I did in my family, man, I, I would have been done and over with a long time ago. I would just cut them out completely. But, but my parents are, are godly people, and, and God put them on their heart to not give up on their son. And two years ago this July, I, I was driven up here to Tennessee to attend us to a recovery where for the first time, for the first time, um, I was reading about a God who saves, not a God who condemns. Um, I learned about a God that wants to put you to good use for his glory and not to cut you down. And um, ooh, promised myself I was gonna ha- this wasn't going to happen. All big and I'm crying, huh? Um, <laughs> and um, and I learned that God has always had His best intentions for me, right. always. And sometimes, in order to, at least in order, I'm going to have to speak for myself. Um, if the shoe fits, please put it on. But um, I noticed that God has put me in certain predicaments to pretty much tell me, "Hey, man, you're still going down the wrong." You're going down the wrong way. I'm going to go ahead and put this roadblock up here so I can start to get you back on the path that you were supposed to be on originally. So constantly walls would be shut, would be springing up everywhere when I was supposed to be headed down a certain path. He'd, he'd cut me off from that path to bring me back to him through catastrophic events, you know, like I mentioned before, overdoses, prison time, all these things. And um, it was just trying to just get me back on track. He had a bigger purpose for me, a purpose I would have never been able to see two years ago. My... If it was up to me two years ago, I would come up here to Tennessee for you know the 84-day program. And all right, awesome. Thank you, God, for everything you give me back. I have you know my belly's full of food now. I was sleeping on a good bed for quite some time. Thank you guys for all your help at Estill Recovery. I'm taking off. But um, I guess the uh, Floridian city boy, um, his plans were nowhere near in line with God's plans, and God decided to keep me here. And um, He gave me a new life. God's given me a, a completely new life. And I'm not going to stand up here and say that it was easy because um, it wasn't. Um, it's just like anything. If, if you want something bad enough, you're going to train bad enough, you know, to become good at it. And God had to put me through certain, you know, trainings in order to get me where he's at today. Um, no athlete comes out of the womb, you know, 
running whatever, however fast football players run in whatever dash yards. I know I don't know nothing about sports, by the way. Um, but you guys understand where I'm coming from. I guess it's like a, what, a 10, uh, 50 yard or 100 yard dash in like under like 10 seconds or something. I don't even know if that's being possible. I mean, I might have made that up. But, um, but, you know, nobody comes out of the womb with that kind of training. And, and kind of like, it's kind of like what happened with me is God put me through the things he put me through for a way bigger purpose. And I would have never a million years thought that everything that I went through actually served a purpose. I just thought that I was unlucky. I always, I just thought that I just wasn't really cut out for the life, really. I didn't really see the higher purpose, man, but that's the beautiful part about God. God has an aerial view of our lives. Um, he sees everything, you know. He sees everything, and he, he knows why he has a purpose and the things that he's doing for. Um, so I completed the um, S2 recovery program and was they were crazy enough to offer me an internship there. I'm making it seem like I was bad or something, but I wasn't. Um, they offered me an internship there, and, man, I, I, I took it on wholehearted. Um, I have never gone after something harder than I chased after my addiction. And I started chasing God way harder than I ever chased addiction. And... Um, and the beautiful part was is that I could never catch up to him, but it's awesome because I'm still chasing after him all the time. You know what I mean? But every once in a while when I trip and fall, he stops and picks me up and he says, all right, man, try to catch up again. And it's great. It's a beautiful thing to know that. Um, I have a new life today as a result of God. Um, completely changed my perspective. I, I, I teach over there. I'm a recovery coach. And looking back, um, when my parents would tell me, Millie, you have a much higher purpose than to just, you know, because I was big into, like, playing music at bars because I thought that's what my life was. So I, th- I was living the rock star life without even having a record contract. You know what I mean? Um, so as a result of doing what, I, what I'm doing today, um, God's given me a bell. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but that was a great gift from God. He gave me the opportunity to go to a recording studio and record a song, which was awesome. It was huge. And it got nowhere near a million hits or at all. But I'm just saying the awesome part was is that God, known that that's been part of something I've always wanted to do, and as a result of being obedient to him and the things he's asked, me, asked of me, he's he, pretty much the way I look at it, it says, God says, man, you've been doing awesome. Here, I'm going to grant you a desire of your heart. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. You know? <laughs> um, today, today I have hope. As a result of God, I have a hope to, God willing, someday be a husband, someday be a father. Um, and without him, that would have never been possible because by now it definitely would have been six feet under. You know? And I don't take that for granted today. Um, he's given me some, he's put beautiful, amazing people in my life. He's put Pastor Adam Comer, every student that comes to S2L Recovery, beautiful guys, love. I know it's kind of almost crazy to think this, but I love seeing the men coming in there broken and just watching God work in their lives. He's put a beautiful woman in my life. You know, God's done so much for me, and, and I can't thank him enough. And to think that, just to think, like, it, it almost gives me shame to even think that I could even contemplate going back to the life that I had before. Um. So today I have a hope, and I know that through God I also have a future. And it's not, and just like Jeremiah 29, 11. Everyone knows that verse in here. Um, that was probably the only verse I ever knew, ever. And um, 
and I feel it. I don't, it's not just something like I read or something that somebody says to me. You know, like I can actually feel him working in my life through people, situations. I actually can see the fruit of it as a, as a result of being obedience, as a result of being obedient. English was my second language, by the way. <laughs> Take it easy. Um, so, I mean, just today I have a hope. And for those that may be feeling hopeless or having family members that are feeling hopeless, I tell the guys that come to our program, man, I didn't study about people like you. I didn't read textbooks about people like you. I didn't watch videos on people like you. I was you. You know, and that, when, when I realized that the guys, the, the men that were in the program that were teaching us were in the same predicament, were in the same shoes that I was in, man, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference because when you tell them who they were or when you tell them of who you were and then they see who you are today, man, it's, it, you, can't, you can't almost fathom that, you know, that I was you know, a drug-using, lying, manipulating animal. You, like, you can't see it. Just like I can't see it in the guys that come in the program after they've been there a week or two weeks. If I would have just stepped in there without knowing them, I thought, you know, these are, you know, beautiful people who like skipping around parks and collecting Easter eggs. You know, I don't know what that even means, but I'm just saying that's the way these people look. You know, they don't seem like people that are capable of doing the things that drugs and alcohol, you know, would drive us to do. And man, that, that gave me a sense of, of confidence and a sense of belief that God is, is working in the men's lives at over at S2 Recovery. I'm going to go ahead and, um, oh, and the other thing I just want to touch, it's like as a result of, of God's goodness, man, today I have a future. I don't know, I don't know what it is. And to be honest with you, I just, I, I take it a day at a time. Um, and I'm happy with that and I'm okay with that. I'm content with it. Um, because so far he hasn't failed me. So why do I need to worry about what he's going to be doing for me in two or three or four or five weeks from now? You know, um, because two years ago today, I wouldn't ever imagine that I'd be standing up here talking to anyone. You know, if anything, I thought I'd be laying, you know, horizontal in a wooden box with people talking over me and throwing flowers on me, you know, and that's a huge, huge difference. Um, I'm going to go ahead and um, just close with this. It's out of um, the first Corinthians six ten, And it's to me, it's a reminder of who God is who God calls for. He doesn't call for the perfect. He doesn't call for the ones, you know, who have it all put together or, you know, who, who feel that they've reached some sort of pinnacle in their life completely on their own doing, man. He comes for everyone. He comes for the broken. He comes for those that don't want to even be here anymore. Sometimes there's many men that I meet that come to the program who didn't want to be alive, you know, who kind of were angry at God for bringing them, for bringing them back to life, you know? And um, it's 1 Corinthians 6.10 where it says, No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive, verbally, verbally abusive, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed. You were sanctified. Sanctified. You were set apart. You were set apart. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So today, man, I am justified by the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done what he did on that cross. I am set apart. And the beautiful part is, is that I don't look at myself as the person who I was. I look at myself. I try to, I try every day to look at myself 
through God's eyes, the way that he sees me. Because if I, continue, if I was to continue to look at myself for, you know, through my own eyes, through my carnal eyes, if you will, and as Adam says, when it's broke, busted, and disgusted, I mean, that's the way I'd look at myself all the time. I'd be an ugly human being, you know, and with no worth or whatnot. But, man, today, God looks at me in such a way that I can't wait for the day for him to tell me, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. And um, I don't know why I'm going to cut short, but I just want to close with this. Um, I, I, give, I give praise to God all day because, like, like he said, he grants you the desires of your heart. And I know that it doesn't just stop with, you know, with, you know, playing a song or, you know, recording a song in a studio or anything like that. I know that God, God willing, one day is going to make me a father. I know one day, God willing, God's going to give me a wife. I know one day God is going to just continue to do what he's been doing this entire time, taking care of me, providing for me, and granting me the desires of my heart. As long as I just continue to follow him, if I put him first, everything else falls into place. If I ever think that I can put anything before God, that's when just everything starts to crumble. And it crumbles so much quicker when I put myself before it. So much faster. It just deteriorates like that. Um, so for any of you guys that might either be struggling with anything or might have family members that may be struggling with something, man, let them know that there was a guy standing up on stage who's pretty much almost flatlined twice as a result of drug overdose, survived four years in prison, and, and is actually now working for the Lord. That's the way I look at it. And, I mean, there is hope. There is hope. And I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to come up here and share with you guys. And um, thank you very much. Love you all. What if I were to tell you that 64,000 people, or you could say 175 people, died in a plane crash every single day in 2016? Well, I'll tell you what would happen. The nation would rise up. The church would rise up. In fact, the way that we did travel in the air would change drastically. Now, obviously, these numbers aren't about the nation's air travel, but they are the estimated drug overdose deaths in America. Help us change the way this country sees recovery. For so long, the standard of addiction recovery has gone unnoticed in how it's not working. S2L Recovery believes that the stigma of being a drug addict your whole life is part of the problem. Once an addict, always an addict. It's just not true according to the biblical understanding. The Bible teaches that there is absolute freedom in Christ, that the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Today's recovery practices teach addiction is an incurable disease and hope comes from full recession and with a success rate of only 12%. There's no hope in that. This isn't working. S2L serves approximately 185 men a year. Recent surveys saying that we're hitting a 60 plus percent success rate. And it's because the hope is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that you're washed clean, not by your own doing, but solely on the grace of God. You see, recovery isn't just about stopping drugs. It's about growing in Christ and enduring the trials of life, not as an addict, but as a child of God. 
Your gift to S2L will actually help us have scholarships for men to come in our program and help us fund a campaign to put our curriculum into the hands of pastors and counselors, into the communities and churches, so we can help train your leaders to speak into this epidemic with the light of Christ. Please give to S2L Recovery today and help us continue the success rate in more abundance. Help us spread the gospel to the broken and end this epidemic of addiction today. All right. The guy speaking in that video was handsome, wasn't he? Gaha. Where'd, where'd y'all get that guy? Good looking. Hey, Emilio, man. Very proud of you. That was awesome. Great story. Great testimony of hope, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Um, thank you, Pastor Jason and, and RVBC for having us here tonight. Uh, it's something that we um, were really excited to do, uh, to get out to spread this message of hope because of all the darkness that it is uh, in our country right now. Uh, and so I'm going to talk to you about a few things. I'm going to talk to you about uh, the problem, the solution, what we're doing and what you could do. And so, since Emilio took all my time, uh, we're going to have to borrow some. Is that all right? All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much. God, I love you. I praise you, God. I thank you for this opportunity uh, to come and share stories that you've ordained, uh, to come and share of your freedom through your gospel. God, I pray that you make little of me right now and, and more of you and um, God, I pray that you speak through me. Um, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the problem, um, I'll start with the physical. Uh, just because at, at this point in 2018, uh, most of you know the problem. Most of you felt the problem. If stats are right, uh, most of you um, know someone very intimately, that is battling an addiction of some type. Uh, and, and the state of Tennessee, here's a stat, 1,631 people lost their lives to a drug overdose, and that's in 2016. The reason that that's in 2016 is because that's our most recent data. It's the most recent data. At the end of this year, we'll get 2017 stats, and folks, um, it'll be a lot worse. Now, that's the state of Tennessee, it's the state of Tennessee, and I'll tell you, that number, 1,631, that's low. That's low. The, the government collects these numbers, and I'm just telling you from being in the industry, that number is low. And, and my heart's breaking because 2017 is going to be much higher, much higher. That's the state of Tennessee. In the United States, 64,000 people lost their lives to a drug overdose. That's in 2016. Same, same kind of data collection. It's slow. We won't get 2017 stats till December of this year. And, and the reason that it's important that we start to get these things, because they're not stats, they're not numbers, these are people's lives. These are fathers and mothers and daughters and sons and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives. Now, 64,000, as you could see up there, and I said it in the video, I probably didn't even have to come up and talk because the video really kind of killed my thunder. Um, but 64,000 people, that's 175 people a day. A day. And, and I kind of hinted at it in the video, but imagine that a jumbo jet crashed every morning when you're watching the news and you, and you see the news and another jumbo jet crashed and 175 people died. Things would change, right? 
we would come together and, and demand different policies. We would demand the aviation have different rules and different, different pilot training or, or standards for, for airplanes, wouldn't we? We wouldn't accept that, but that's what's going on right now when it comes to drug and alcohol. That's number eight. According to 2015, that's number eight on the top ten killer list that's out there. Drug overdose. That's the problem physically. But fundamentally, and here's when I start talking about the solution, I'm going to talk about more, but fundamentally what I want to tell you guys, and I think that you probably know, it's not a physical problem, it's a spiritual problem. Fundamentally, it's a spiritual problem. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 12. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's not physical. It's a spiritual problem that we're facing. And the reason that you saw that you saw the video, the reason that the national average of addiction recovery success rate is 12% is because they're looking at the physical and the physical only. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. They're trying to, the, the 12%, they're trying to um, approach life like it's a lifelong ailment. Like this is a disease that you'll have for the rest of your life and you're never going to get out of it. All you could do is be in remission and that is hopeless. That's hopeless and confusing. And it's opposite of what the Bible says. Radically opposite of what the Bible says. Fundamentally, this is a spiritual problem. Um, and, and I'm going to be careful not to not harm anyone's feelings, but because this is something that I deal with um, in this field. I've done this for many years, and um, guys have come to me in the darkest seasons of their life, and to be honest with you, major reasons for turning to addiction was because they were done, things had been done to them that should never have been done to them by the very people that were supposed to protect them. So I know what I'm about to say, I don't say flippantly, and I say it very carefully because there's some heavy, heavy things that people turn to drugs and alcohol for. It is a heart issue. Here's what I mean. Part of the problem is that when someone in addiction feels sadness, hurt, depression, loneliness, trauma, or drama, we answer it, we answer it with a cheap substitute. With drugs, alcohol, lust, money, career, children, spouse. We think that the fix is always something else, but we're exchanging the, the glory of God for a cheap substitute that will always fail us. Always. It's a heart issue. It's not behavior modification like the standard of addiction recovery is today. They're telling you that you outside in get fixed that you behavior, you do this, don't do this, do this for this many days, say this, pronounce this, come to this place, do this, read this book, and that's how you maintain this life of sobriety, but you'll never be nothing but an addict in recovery. And the re here, here's just, I don't have this verse for you, but here's something, the biggest slap in the face to behavior modification is Jesus telling the Pharisees, he calls them whitewashed tombs, blind Pharisees, he says, if you first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, 
then the outside will also be clean. Was he telling them how to do dishes? He's talking about the heart. The heart. It has to be the heart. Now, I want to be careful uh, for people in here and the people watching online. There is a physical and a medical piece to this. There is. Uh, There's certain types of drugs. There's people come addicted on alcohol. They have to go get checked out before they can come to us because there's dangers of coming off of certain drugs and alcohol. You can have seizures. There's very severe dangers. But again, the heart is the fundamental. The physical and the, and the medical is a piece to it. But what the world and the standard is, is they're making that the whole thing. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Exchanging the glory for God for a cheap substitute, and it always ends badly. And I'm going to use non-addiction examples for you. So everyone's going to have some toes stepped on in this room, maybe. Whenever you solve a problem that's going on in your heart or that's going on in life, whenever you solve it with something besides what God says to do, it ends badly, right? Here's my thought. We'll go down a journey. This is non-alcohol, non-drugs type thing. Man, my life would just be so much better if I just had good physique, right? And so I go and I do the six-minute abs, and I get the body, and everything's great, and I'm looking great, and then I'm still empty. Man, I met that goal. You know what it is? It's, it's the money. I need more money. If I had more money, then I would be happy and I would be fulfilled. So I go and I work and I make all this money and I get there and then I have all this money and I'm looking around. <sighs> that's, that's not it. It's the woman. That's what it is. I need, I need the one that completes me, right? So I made this money. Now I go and I find this woman and, and I'm getting married to her and we have the house. We have everything that the world says you should have. The car, the girl, the money, the house. And yet... I'm still empty, and there's something else. And then I hit this midlife crisis, and it's no longer this girl. I need to go find another girl, and I need to go find a newer car. And it's this cycle. It always ends badly. Whenever you replace God for something else, whenever you replace creator for creation, it'll end badly, and it'll self-destruct, always. The very same thing with people that are battling. It's idolatry is what it is, right? Whenever you're replacing God for an idol, that's idolatry. And what happens in addiction, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of shame. Everyone has a different story of why they turn to drugs and alcohol, but they're exchanging what God says for that substitute. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's addictive. It's killing people, as we just saw. Another problem, and I've got I've to speed through some of these. Well, I guess I don't have to. I have permission to go till 10 tonight. That's what I was told. No? final thing that I'll talk about in the problem is the stigma aspect. Um, And I believe slowly we're coming out of this, but there is a stigma associated to addiction. Uh, And the the reason that that's a problem is because there's not a lot of people going to get help if I'm going to be judged, right? If the addict who's under the bridge, who's going to steal from me, who's going to do this, who's going to do this, who's a second-class citizen, who's um, damaged goods, that's scary and that's dangerous because, you know what, it is true. That person is someone that could steal from you, someone that is probably going to lie to you and manipulate you if they're in active addiction. But if there's a stigma and, there's, and they're not allowed to be talked to, they're not going to get help from the church. And if it's a heart issue, who's going to help them, right? 
They'll go to where they can and get free services, and they'll be told that they're an addict their whole life. The stigma. Now to the solution. The solution, first and foremost, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the solution. Uh, at S2L, as you saw, myself, nor Emilio, did we stand up here and say, Hello, my name's Adam, and I'm an addict. It's not what the Bible says. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, and the new is here. That's what the Bible says. I'm not an addict. He's not an addict. Part of that identity is very important because all of my identity was in my worth of who I was, and that's why I kept feeding myself a chemical. I felt bad. This made me feel good, and then my identity is there. And then, just to talk about part of the problem again, if my identity is that I'm an addict, man, that's not good. I'm always going to be an addict. Man, that identity is important. Your identity is in Christ. Christ has resurrection power. In fact, the Bible says that where, uh, where the spirit of the... And I have this, but I'm not, I'll do a different verse. Sorry. I don't want to jump ahead on the, on the slides. I almost threw uh, the red off. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in those who believe. That's resurrection power. That life, that's not my identity. My identity is in Christ. I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the solution in a nutshell. That's the solution in a nutshell. This is 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Do you think that that God, when he was given, Jesus, when he was given the Sermon on the Mount, that he's like, okay, uh, adulterers sit here, thieves sit here, Oh, liars sit here, and drunkards, y'all sit over there. No, he was giving the Sermon on the Mount to all. There's no special message for a drug addict and alcoholic. You get that, right? They're not special. It's the same message, and that freedom applies to them as well. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. That's what Emilio was just talking about. He said he's being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Man, this is, this is discipleship, is what we do. This is discipleship. That's all it is. Someone comes to you broken. Confess, repent, disciple. The solution is simple. The, the, the Bible, addicts aren't, aren't any special or different. The same message is, is what you would tell someone who came to you in adultery is what you would tell someone in addiction. Turn, confess, repent. Man, I thank God that the gospel of Jesus Christ set me free. That's the answer. And and I'll tell you, this message that I'm saying to you guys, in this room, there's a lot of amens. The standard of addiction recovery, I would be run out of this room for saying what I've said. If I'm being really honest with you, addiction recovery is big business. Big business. I'm going to be getting in a lot of people's pockets when I talk about the gospel as the answer, not your doctors and your, and your $1,000 a day facilities with the psychologists. All of that is good, but that is not fundamentally the problem. You add this to this. And so it's not popular. And so that's, that's what we're up against. The solution is, is the church. And, and 
I don't want to go down rabbit trails, but I will. Um, and in school, I studied church history and things like that. And it was never the government's job to take care of the people. Historically, the church did. Historically, it was believers that were taking care of the people. When the problem happened historically, it was the church that answered. And what's really cool, in the state of Tennessee, the very first state, and I believe the only state right now, I believe we're training seven other states, and I say we like I work for the state. There is an initiative, government initiative, called the Department of um, uh, Mental Health and Substance Abuse Faith-Based Initiative. And you know what they're doing? They're going back to the church. Hey, guys. You guys are set up in the community to end addiction. We want to train you. We want to give you tools to do it. It's the church, the body of Christ. That's the answer. So what is S2L doing about it? Well, I've already kind of said it. We're pointing people to Christ. Someone comes, we don't have a requirement of what you believe when you come to our doors. We're not going to change what we teach, but we don't have a, you don't have a standard. You don't have to be a Christian to come to us. We're going to point you to Christ. We're going to tell you that there's freedom. Another thing that S2L is doing is is we feel God's called us uh, to do things like this because it's not done enough. There's there's not the the funding uh, to get out and really have the resources to come and tell the people the truth, right? Like I said, we're not a $1,000 a day program. But these other programs are thirty to $60,000 a month. Insurance, government paying these things. But we have the truth. And so we feel God's called us to get out here and do things like this. Speak truth. We have a podcast. Um, it's new. We just launched it last week. And so if, you, if you're a podcaster, that's what it looks like. You can go to wherever you find podcasts. And we talk about these issues every day. Uh, so that's kind of exterior. We're going, we're getting the message out. We want it to be relevant. We want it to be real and truth because the truth will set you free. Um, but we have a 20-bed facility in Woodbury, as Emilio was talking about. Guys come to us. We have a 42-day, 84-day curriculum. Um, and so they go to class. We feed them. Um, we, we just discipleship. That's what it is. And, and I'll tell you a, a story. Um, last week, uh, a man... Uh, came to us a few weeks ago, and last week he gave his heart to Christ. Yeah, that's amen. That's what it's all about. Gave his life to Christ. And in that moment, of, in that time where he was surrendering his heart to Christ, he looked over to another student, and he just had a face about him. And I guess the student realized it, and he came over. And he's just like, what's going on? I was like, man, I see that my sin is real now. And I see that I've offended God, and it hurts, and and. Um, so the student, that's what we don't call them clients, we call them students. The student was able to just walk them through what that looked like. Man, let's just pray. Let's just ask God to, to save you. Amen. Repent of your sins. Later on that week, after, after a group on Thursday, the guys loaded up in a van and we went to a creek in Woodbury. It was a lot warmer than today. And another student baptized the guy that gave his life to Christ. Think about that. Not a staff member, not me, a pastor, or one of the other pastors on staff. A student did both of these things. (laughs) Do, Do drug addicts baptize people? 
Did drug addicts walk their brothers through a, a, a salvation prayer and, and usher them to Christ? No. That's disciples making disciples making disciples. That's what it is. Man, here's, here's where our curriculum comes from. And this is 2 Peter 1, 3 through, 3 through 4. His divine power has granted us to all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. Escape the corruption is what this is talking about. Peter's saying that you do these things, God's given us this. If you are a believer, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, you have this power available to escape corruption, which is the flesh, sinful desire. And then it goes down and it lists some things. And this is what our principles are that, that Bruce, the, the lost and found recovering in Christ, you can go to our website and you could order, you could do a discipleship study with a small group or something with this book. Uh, and we've made it our curriculum. And here's the list of things. So you can escape sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brother, brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So the seven principles is what we call it, and it's just goodness or virtue. And it's important that we have these conversations because when someone comes to us, sometimes they don't even know it's good anymore. They don't even trust themselves. What's good? Knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. So that's our curriculum. That's what we train. That's what we teach. Multiple classes a day. We're just ushering people to Christ. Now the next part is, is how can you help? How can you help? Same thing. Disciple people. I mean, I hear, I've heard this uh, from other type programs, and, and at times we'll try to. People come to us from all over the country. Okay? Uh, when it's time for them to leave, we want them to be plugged into a church. Crucial. Has to be plugged into a body. We will call these places, and sometimes the pastor, what do I do with them? I don't know what to do with them. Or they'll say, oh, that's great. Tell them to come. We have, a, we have a, an AA meeting on Thursdays. It's like, okay, who, who runs the AA meeting? Ah, the AA society. Well, are they Christians? I don't know. Well, what do I do with them? Here's, here's what I want you guys to know. Disciple them. Just disciple them. And here's what I'll tell you. Discipleship, if you're doing it, it's messy. It's messy. Because you're dealing with people. Us like people. And everyone, Emilio's taken his mask off and he's gotten real. I've shared a little bit of my, but everyone, you can't fool me. Everyone's got stuff going on. And if you commit to discipling someone, yeah, that's vulnerable. That you could get lied to. You could get manipulated. Set boundaries up so further harm can't happen, but just disciple them. What do I do? Hey, you need to repent of your sin. 
and turn to God. Confess to God. Turn from what you are doing. Come over and have dinner with me. Come to church Sunday night, Sunday morning. Let's talk. Let's go play golf. We were talking about golf before the service. Just do life with them, and it'll be messy. Man, but I'll tell you, Jesus discipled a guy for three and a half years, and you know what happened? He betrayed him with a kiss. You know What happens to them isn't your concern. Your concern is discipleship. Go and make more disciples. That's what you can do. And, and other things that you could do, and I'm, I'm saying you as in pass the message along because I'm so thankful that this church had us here to do this. But if you know other pastors, if you know other churches, hey, you know, there's a, some truth being spoken by some guys about this addiction thing. Let us go talk to them. Spread the word. Other things you could do. And, and help with the stigma. Because I want to tell you that the stigma, I want to just blame it on the world and how the world just thinks the stigma is the guy under the bridge and all this. But if I'm honest, it's the church too. And I'm the church. I'm not pointing you guys out. So another thing that we could do to help is, hey, this stigma thing. This stigma thing. Instead of, instead of second-class citizen, see someone broken needing Jesus. And guess what? That's what you're all called to do. That's the Great Commission. Walk in that. That's my encouragement. That's what you can help to do. Um, be stigma breakers. Be disciples that make disciples. Love people. You know, it's so interesting, and I'm going to close. I'm going to ask Pastor Jason to come back up and close you guys out. But, um, man, the, the, one of the biggest things that can happen, like I said, church history, the church is always one. Look at all the hospitals that are named after churches and things like that. But let a guy, let a guy or gal see your heart. They're going to they're gonna want to know what, what you're about. When you, when you start to just disciple people and love on them, um, they want to know how much you care before they know, care how much you know. Right? Be there for them. Uh, that's my encouragement. I'm very thankful for this time. Uh, hopefully I've, I've shared with you the problem, the real problem that a lot of people won't share with you. Uh, and hopefully you've heard the solution. Um, get in there, get in the fight. This is a, this is a thing. And here, I'll say this, and then you can come on up, but I've heard this said very recently, and I believe it. The harvest field, the next harvest field for the church is this addiction epidemic. People are broken, broken. And you'll have an ear. Hey, I have the answer. I have the answer. I know you're hurting. And I got, maybe you can't even relate, but I know you're hurting, and I know what hurting feels like. Can I talk to you about the one who saved the world? Can I talk to you about Jesus? Come with me. That's a big deal. So, most of you know I'm a real planner. And by that, I mean uh, when Pastor Adam in the foyer said, how do you want to close the service? I said, I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and I think I figured it out. Uh, Miss Linda, would you come? And I'm going to ask that uh, every head in this place bow and every eye close, please.
Now, every time I say that, I'm standing up front, so I get the privilege of looking out, and I see the wondering eyes of those who think that's not really for me. I'm going to ask everybody in here to honor that one request. Every head bow, every eye closed for a few moments. We're almost done. We're, we're, we're going to leave in just a minute. We heard some things tonight. The crux of it all is that the problem with addiction is the same problem that we've all had, and that is we have a sin problem. We have a heart condition. None of us were born in perfection. We were all born in sin, and it's manifested itself in so many different ways in so many different lives. And the solution is always Jesus. And so in the house tonight, there, there are some folks that have been to every recovery program and every halfway house and every place in the universe looking for, for a, a Band-Aid. And tonight you've been presented with a solution. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask right now, if you've heard something tonight about freedom in Christ and you want to talk more about that with, with me after this service, I just want you to glance up and let me see your eyes. You don't have to step out. You don't have to step forward. You don't have to worry about who's looking. Every head's bowed. Every eye's closed. Just let me see your eyes and, and we'll talk later. Let me see your eyes. See, the one who's set free is free indeed. Amen. But Pastor Adam also hit on another group, church. He didn't leave us the ability to be lazy. He challenged us to be disciple makers. I'm pretty sure that's the same challenge that Jesus Christ gave us. So if when he was talking, you thought of somebody in your life that you need to be discipling, and you've been too lazy, or you've been too scared, or you haven't known how, I want you to glance up and let me see your eyes, and we'll talk about how to be a disciple maker just a little bit. Just let me see you. moment. I'm going to close this in prayer. You can go. You can go eat dinner. You can go your way. But I'm not closing this time of response. I will be here for a while. I'm here every night after service for a long time. I live next door. doesn't take me long to get home. So if when this is over you say, I wish I would have talked to Pastor. I wish I would have went and spoke to him. I wish I would have looked up. You just Come find me after service. We'll go privately. We'll talk about Jesus and what he means to me, what he can mean with you. I can connect you with this pastor. I can connect you uh, with somebody else. But we're going to close in a word of prayer. When I say amen, then you are dismissed. Father God, we thank you so much for your presence. God, we recognize that you... God, you created the moon and the stars and the sun and the ocean and the lake and the grass. 
God, you created us. You created us beautifully in your image, Lord God, and sin separated us from from your wonderful creation, Lord God. It set us apart from you, God. But you loved us so much that you would not leave us separated and unreconciled, but you sent a Savior to die on a cross to pay for our sins. God, we couldn't pay for them ourselves. And God, we thank you for Jesus. God, I believe that your gospel has been proclaimed tonight and I believe that there are lives that have been changed tonight from what they've heard. So God, let that seed of the gospel grow. God, you reap a harvest of plenty. That we would be disciple makers, God. And that we would be a place where people are welcome to come and be introduced to the Savior of the world. God, I thank you for these men who come and speak. I thank you for the work that they are doing. I thank you for the lives that they are affecting. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. It is in your sweet, precious, heavenly, saving name that we pray. It's all God's children said. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.